It wasn't where I thought we'd meet Outside of a dorm room on Franklin Street With tears in my eyes in the driver's seat That's just the place God came for me It was a still small voice on a Tuesday night Like you were right there with me on the passenger side You turned that car into a mountaintop Oh, I met Jesus in a parking lot So today is the day of testimonies about meeting God, experiencing God. Kendall shared a little testimony about how God met him. And at the end of this message, I'm going to give a little bit of opportunity for you guys, uh, anyone who would like to share a little bit about how God met you somewhere and what were the circumstances of you encountering God. We've been talking about encountering God uh, all, all, uh, or encountering Jesus, really, uh, in the Bible, over and over again, all the different times that he encountered people. But today, I want to just talk about us encountering God. How do we encounter God? What, well, how do you set it up? Like, can you set up a time where you're going to encounter God? Or is that just something God does? And so we're going to talk a bit about that. Um, you know, on the internet, I, I did a little bit of searching, and there are thousands and thousands and thousands of testimonies of people having an, a, a divine encounter, meeting Jesus Christ right here today in this world. Uh, Kendall showed me one yesterday, and I was going to have the video for us today, but somehow between my computer and the church's computer, something happened, and we don't have it. So I'm just going to tell you the story. Basically, um, this guy named uh, Richard Lorenz, he, uh, he was searching for the truth, and he was looking in, into the occult. He was looking into the New Age movement. He had his, 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 in his house, he had all kinds of crystals, get good energy. He had huge, like not the, not the little, you know, the $10 ones. He's, he's talking about the $100 crystals that he had parked around his apartment all over the place. He was searching. He was getting into Eastern religions, getting into a, a, a Egyptian religion, and it was all mixed up, and he didn't know what he was doing. And he was totally into pornography. He was sleeping around. He was quite worldly, and but he was looking for the truth. And one day he met some Christians, and they seemed to be happy in spite of things not going so well. And he was curious. He's like, oh, what's this all about? And they gave him a Bible. And so he started reading his Bible. And he was reading in the book of, of Romans about how, and somehow the Holy Spirit was 
illuminating his mind as he was reading. It was in the King James Version. And he was able to understand it. And he says that suddenly the Holy Spirit, he encountered Jesus Christ in the Scriptures as he was reading it, knocked him to the floor, and he laid on the ground for 20 minutes while demons were being expelled from his body over and over again. And he, he actually passed out during this process. And when he, when he came to and got up, he was a totally changed person. He, he started preaching on the street. He just went out and started sharing his faith with people. Uh, he, 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 his girlfriend, who was pregnant with their, their kid, he's like, oh, I can't sleep with you anymore. I'm going to sleep in this different bed. And she's like, what are you talking about? And she was like totally confused. And so he just prayed and prayed until she encountered God and miraculously was saved. And then he went out and he, was, he, he now does power encounter evangelism where he shares the gospel, and his, his specialty is deliverance ministry, uh, helping people be rid of demonic forces that are in their lives. And uh, he's become a pastor. This only happened four years ago. And he's become a pastor and has, is the head of a ministry and is, has a powerful impact. Why? Because God met him. He had an encounter with the living Christ. Um, and for four years, he hasn't touched porn. He hasn't slept around. He's a completely changed person. You know, I used to be a, a jealous of the apostles in the, in the New Testament. Actually, all the people in the New Testament. They could get to see, they could encounter Jesus, the physical skin on God with us. And, and uh, you know, we've talked about all these encounters, uh, about the various ones. Um, but... Can you imagine what it would be like to see Jesus do the miracles? I mean, incredible. I mean, could you imagine if you were tagging along uh, as Jesus encounters Martha, you know, and she says, oh, Lord, if, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. And, and, and even now I know God will answer your prayers. And, and, and Jesus says, well, you, you know, he, he's, he's going to rise again. And Martha's like, yeah, yeah, I know, Jesus. I know he's going to rise in the resurrection on the last day. And Jesus says, I'm the resurrection. I'm the life. Whoever believes in me, even though he dies, yet he will live. And then, of course, Mary comes. She asks the same question. Jesus, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. And, uh, and Jesus goes over to the tomb and he He's weeping there with everyone else. It's a sad scene. And then Jesus looks up at heaven and he goes, Lord, I just want you, want you to know, I want these people to know that I'm praying to you. You know, like the strangest prayer ever. You know, Lord, just let, let everyone know that I'm praying to you. Uh, let's open that tomb up. Let's roll a stone away. Martha's like, Lord, it's been four days. He stinks. It's not a good idea. You know, I know you want to see him and all, but they didn't have embalming back then. Not a good idea. And Jesus says, didn't I tell you that he will rise? And then he says, Lazarus, come forth. Can you imagine if you were there? See this dead man coming out of the grave, you know? <laughs> I don't know what he looked like, but he had all the bandages on him, and there he is walking out of the grave. <laughs> and you'd be just like, Whoa! So cool. And, you know, 
I, I just, I'm jealous. But the funny thing is that after, when, you know, after Jesus spent four years, uh, you know, doing all these miracles and doing, uh, or three years, and, and, and teaching and preaching, how many people gathered were waiting for the promised Holy Spirit in the upper room? Anybody know? No, not 500. Not 177. Verse 10, Acts chapter 1. <laughs> 120, thank you. Someone knows their Bible. <laughs> 120 people. What happened to the 5,000 that were fed? I mean, what happened to all the people who were healed? What? I don't know, but there's only 120 people that are anxiously waiting for the promise of the Holy Spirit. These are the true believers. And the Holy Spirit comes on that day, boom, re-energizes these 120 people. And what happens? They preach the gospel. And 3,000 people are added to their number that day. 3,000, you go from 120 to 3,000. Talk about church growth. I mean, this is incredible. And it doesn't take more than a few weeks. There's 5,000 people. The number just starts growing exponentially. Why? Because the Holy Spirit has come. And people now are encountering Jesus all over the place, not in one location. They're encountering Jesus over by the Lake of Galilee. They're encountering him in Jerusalem. They're encountering him wherever the Christians are who are spreading the gospel. People are encountering the Lord Jesus. So yes, I'd love to have known Jesus, but you know, when I started this mess started studying for this message, I thought there were like you know, there's like the seven appearances of Christ after his resurrection, and then he ascends into heaven. And I thought there was like two uh, times where people um, saw the resurrected Lord after that. Can, can you name them? Paul and John. And so these are the two that had experiences of meeting Christ. In fact, Paul says, I, I, I was the last to meet him. As one abnormally born, he says. So he, he's just like, I, I came at the very end and finally got to meet Jesus. Uh, and, and, but then I'm like, well, well Paul, you're, you're, you're not the last. I mean, John has a very dramatic encounter after that with Christ. And, uh, and, and then I started thinking about all the other people that had encounters with Jesus. Um, you know, the... Uh, <clears throat> There was the, the prayer meeting just a few days after the, the, the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the people. And so the people are they're experiencing a, a persecution. You know, they, they're, they're being threatened by the Sanhedrin. So what do the people do? They go into a little prayer room somewhere, and they start praying. And they're praying, Lord, uh, you heard all these threats that Herod and all these people are threatening your people. But now, Lord, please pour out your spirit on us and give us power to speak your word boldly. And what happens? Boom! The whole place is shaking. And the Holy Spirit falls on them afresh. And they encounter Jesus afresh. And it says that they went out and spoke the word boldly. 
I love that. I love it when people have this encounter with Jesus Christ and it just causes them to go off and preach the word boldly. Uh, and, and then, you know, then, and when Barnabas, he's the next guy that encounters Jesus Christ, encounters him personally, so personally, so powerfully that he goes, I'm going to take all my real estate holdings and I'm going to sell them all and I'm going to give all the money to the church. Have you seen someone get, you know, God get a hold of someone so much they sold all their real estate and gave it to the church? I mean, that's incredible. And then, you know, I think one day they have, they're having this church service, you know, and Ananias comes in and gives an offering. And, and Peter asks him, is, is this the full amount? And he says, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Boom, dies. People carry him out. A few, a few minutes later, his wife comes in. Is this the full amount? Yeah, yeah. Boom, she dies. You know, if that happened in church today, it'd probably be a, a lawsuit or something. But I think we'd all go home and say, we encountered God today. Whoa. We encountered the holiness of God today at church. And he doesn't fool around. And you know, I think when Peter walked down the street, and there were, the street was lined with sick people, and his shadow would fall on them, and as they, his shadow fell on them, I think they experienced the living Christ, don't you? When they got well, just from his shadow falling on, falling on them. I mean, the living Christ would, would come and heal people. Um, and, then, um, and then there was, you know, Stephen. Remember Stephen? He's preached this massive long sermon. That at the very end, he gets kind of pointed at the, his listeners. And his listeners freak out. And they start, you know, and they start throwing stones at him. All right? And what happens? He's translating. And he looks up into heaven. And he sees up in heaven the, the Lord Jesus Christ standing at the right hand of God the Father. And he says to everyone, look, I see heaven open. And Christ is standing beside the Lord Almighty. And it just makes everybody more furious. So in other words, one person is, in, is right in the middle of an encounter with Jesus Christ, and the others are stoning him to death. And, you know, I look at this, this revelation that he says, I see Christ standing. You know, there's 16 references to Christ being at the right hand of, of the Father on high. 16 references. And, you know, 13 of those put him seated beside the throne in glory. Here, Stephen sees him standing. It's the only reference. And twice it says he's standing beside the throne. And i got to wonder, what, what's going on here? I think Jesus is standing with anticipation. Are you, are you going to pull through, Stephen? Are you going to make it? And he's longing for him, and he's, and he's reaching out to him. He's, Jesus is involved in this martyr, the first martyrdom. He's there, and he's watching, and he's, I think, encouraging uh, Stephen to be faithful to the end. It's powerful. And then, you know, then there's this sorcerer. And this sorcerer encounters Jesus in Philip. Philip is preaching the gospel and healing people left, right, and center. And, and the sorcerer is like, what in the world? This is a divine power. You know, they used to call him the divine power. But he recognizes power when he sees it. 
And he's like blown away. And he repents. And he meets Jesus Christ. And he's baptized. Oh, and then there's, um, there's this guy. He's from, he's from, uh, man, I, sorry, excuse me a sec. Getting too excited up here. There's this guy from Ethiopia, uh, and he's he's reading through the Old Testament. He's reading the prophet Isaiah, and he's reading through it, and 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 he's he's reading about you know this guy that's silent before like a sheep before his shearers is silent, and he's reading through this, and he he doesn't understand it. Well, God had already spoken to Philip and told Philip, go out to the desert road. So I can just imagine Philip standing out there by the desert road going, okay, Lord, I'm here. What in the world? There's nothing going on on the desert road. And then off in the distance, he sees a little chariot coming along. And this guy's reading the scriptures. And so he he starts jogging beside this, the, the chariot. And, and he hears the guy reading the scriptures from Isaiah. And he says to him, hey, do you know what, you, you know what you're reading? He says, no, I don't understand it at all. Who's this guy talking about himself, somebody else? What's going on? And Philip gets into the chariot and he explains, no, this is about Jesus Christ. This is about the Savior of the world. This is about the one who went to the cross and died for your and my sins. And the eunuch is like, no way. That's amazing. And the eunuch says to him, Hey, look, here's some water. Can I get baptized? Like, talk about right instantaneous. Meeting Christ in the scriptures, in the Old Testament scripture, he has an encounter with Jesus Christ when someone explains it to him. And he gets baptized right then and there. Uh, And then, of course, there's Saul. Saul is like the furthest thing from someone seeking God. You know, he's kind of running from God, actually. And he, he's out there on the, on the way to Damascus. And suddenly the sky opens up and a light beams down on him. And, and a voice calls from heaven, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And Saul's like, who are you, Lord? And the voice says, I am Jesus, whom you're persecuting. And Saul repents. And he confesses his sins. And he, and he goes to... And, and then, there, then there's this other guy who has an encounter with Jesus, Ananias. And this encounter is completely different. Jesus comes along and says, hey, Ananias, you've got to go pray for Saul. He's, uh, he's over, you know, he tells him where he is. And Ananias goes... For Saul, I can't pray for him. He's coming here to put us all in jail. I don't want to pray for him. And God says, no, he's my chosen chosen uh, servant. You need to go and pray for him. Okay, fine. <laughs> and he goes. And so he had this encounter of hearing God's voice and being sent on his way. And he comes to Saul and he, and, and, and he, and he prays over Saul. And, and the encounter that Saul has is like scales coming off his eyes. It's like he was blind, but now he can see. And he's baptized. Um, and, uh, and then there's Aeneas. He has uh, his vision restored. Or, or, no, he's a, a paralytic. And he's, he's fully healed. And then Dorcas, raised from the dead. Can you imagine dying and then coming back to life? What kind of experience of God would that be? Uh, and then... 
Uh, and then there's Cornelius. You know, the Bible says that Cornelius was devout and a God-fearing man, and he gave generously to um, the poor. And an angel of the Lord just shows up on his doorstep one day. How many of you have seen an angel? One, two, two people. It's pretty cool. And Cornelius sees this angel showing up on his doorstep. And the angel says, oh, you got to go and you got to call these people from, and he gives all these detailed instructions. And so Cornelius does it. And in the meantime, Peter is having another vision from God. And God, you know, shows him a bunch of unclean food and says, eat. And then Peter's like, no, no, I can't eat that. And, but it's interesting that Peter calls him Lord. Whoever is dropping the sheet down and speaking to him, he calls Lord over and over. It's an experience of an encounter with Christ. Um, anyways, so Peter, Peter comes to Cornelius' house. He's preaching the gospel. He's preaching about Jesus dying on the cross. And all of a sudden, right in the middle of the sermon, all of a sudden, everybody in the whole congregation starts speaking in tongues. Wouldn't that be cool? <laughs> <You know? laughs> Break a few laws from 1 Corinthians chapter 14. But the whole congregation bursts into, into uh, tongues. What an awesome sight. They all experienced the living Christ. They, they heard about him, and suddenly it was a reality in their lives. Um, in, uh, I could talk about Peter being in jail, and then an angel coming, and he's thinking he's in a dream. But really, he realizes it's Christ sent his angel, and he's freed. I could talk about all the different places where Paul went, you know, Cyprus, Antioch, Iconium, Lystra, Derby, all these places where God was just powerfully impacting people, and people were experiencing the living Christ over and over again, and thousands and thousands of people came to know Christ. And the church has grown since then. Uh, I could talk about... Uh, Paul and Silas in prison and, and how they were freed miraculously. And the jailer comes along and he's about to kill himself. And, and, uh, and they preach the gospel to him. And he's gloriously saved. He and his whole family gets baptized <laughs> instead of dying that day. Uh, Eutychus raised from the dead. I could go on and on. The point is that in the New Testament, more people experienced Jesus Christ after he had gone to heaven than, ha than had before he went to heaven. So in other words, we're in the category of most New Testament people. We're just like them. They've never seen the physical Jesus. But they had an encounter with Jesus Christ and his spirit uh, and the power of, of his spirit. And then we get all the way to the book of of Revelation, the very last book. And this is the last one I want to talk about. Um, just going to look it up. Revelation chapter 1. Uh, I, John, your brother and companion in suffering of the kingdom and patient endurance that are ours in Christ Jesus, was on the island of Patmos, Patmos because of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. And on the Lord's day, I was in the Spirit. What do you think that means? He was fellowshipping with God. 
on the Lord's Day. That's usually what's referred to as our, our Sunday, most likely. And it was the day the Lord rose from the dead. And he was fellowshipping with Christ on that day. And I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet, which said, Write on a stroll what you see, and send it to the seven churches, to Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergium, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. And I turned around to see the voice that was speaking to me. And when I turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. And among the lampstands was one, someone like the Son of Man, dressed in a robe, reaching down to his feet, with a golden sash around his chest. His head and hair were white like wool, white as snow, and his eyes were like blazing fire. And his feet were like bronze glowing in the furnace, and his voice was like that of the sound of rushing waters. And in his right hand he held seven stars, and out of his mouth came a sharp double-edged sword, and his face was like the sun, shining in all its brilliance. And when I saw him, I fell at the feet as though dead. And then he placed his hand on me and said, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I was dead, but behold, I am alive forever and ever. I hold the keys of death and Hades. I love this, you know. The last time John had seen Jesus, he had just risen from the dead. And now he sees him. He totally doesn't recognize his voice. It's, it's this thundering voice. He totally doesn't recognize him. You know, he's got white hair. <laughs> and, and I mean, the last time he, John had seen him, he, he was a 30-year-old man. Now there's this flaming, glorious sight. He's just like, and it's not until he says, I was dead and now I'm alive forevermore that John finally figures out who this is, who this impressive being is. It's a powerful, he's he's experiencing God for himself again. And then, of course, Jesus shares with him the whole book of Revelation. Uh, Pretty incredible experience. And you know that the Apostle Paul wrote in the scriptures a a verse that or a passage that basically uh, calls us to experience Christ in our inner being, to have a fresh encounter with the living Christ. And this is what it says in Ephesians chapter 3. I pray that out of the glorious riches you, you may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. This is not like, Oh yes, it's it's a you know he's there mystically. I don't really know how it's happening. No, that you experience. I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have the power, together with all God's holy people, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. Have you ever ex- heard of a, a a space being measured by four dimensions? This is the dimensions of God's love. He says how wide, long, high, and deep. That's four dimensions. Uh, we don't even have four dimensions. And yet, this is the kind of love that God has to... And to know this love that surpasses knowledge. Isn't that an oxymoron, that statement? To know this love that surpasses knowledge? How can you know something that surpasses knowledge? You, like it, 
Paul is, is praying for the impossible to happen in your heart. <laughs> that you might be filled to all the measure of all the fullness of God. What? What is Paul talking about? He's basically saying, I want you to know God's love in such a way that God fills you up completely. All the fullness of God dwelling in... Did you know that? That Paul prays that all the fullness of God would dwell in you? Whoa. All the fullness of God dwelt in Jesus. We're all aware of that. But Paul prays that we would experience all the fullness of God. I can't even comprehend what that means. I have no idea, actually. <laughs> and yet, this is God's will for us, friends, to encounter the living God over and over and over, and to have a fresh encounter daily. You know, I, while I was preparing this message, I started thinking about, okay, uh, when have I encountered God? You know, I didn't encounter Jesus physically, skin on, you know, didn't watch him raise Lazarus from the dead. But boy, I, I, I've met him. I think the first time I really met him was when the light bulb went on and I realized that all I had to do was believe in Christ's death and I would be saved. And I experienced him coming into my life. I encountered him when he told me unmistakably three times in a row to get baptized. I encountered God. I was disobedient, but I still encountered God. I, I encountered Jesus. I remember at the back of the classroom where I was sitting and the Holy Spirit convicted me of sin. And I repented. And boom, God's Spirit came on me and changed me. And I, and I went from someone who wanted to be an engineer to someone who wanted to preach the gospel. How did that happen? You know, like, I don't know. But God, I encountered it. I remember encountering God in the middle of a wheat field, in the middle of Saskatchewan, in, in the middle of the night. And I remember him speaking behind me. And I turned around to see who it was. And, you know... I tell this story, every time I tell this story, I get goosebumps. I can't help it. It's because that experience was so traumatic of looking around and only seeing a million acres of wheat and wondering, how did that happen? Uh, I, I remember walking down the street completely broken and Jesus coming up and walking right beside me. And he put his arm around me. And he said, it's going to be okay. And his spirit was speaking to my spirit. And I was like, whoa, it's going to be okay. And I was just blown away. I encountered Jesus when I was in, in, in Egypt. I was there, and, and, and God says, open the word. And I opened the word. And I'm like, boom, I'm reading about Egypt. I'm like, I'm in Egypt. What is going on here? And God is speaking to me about what was happening uh, six years ago in Egypt, while I was there, I was reading it right out of the Bible. I was just like, what? And Jesus was speaking to me. And then I remember just over here in the Mandarin Sanctuary, we were having district conference, and Jesus spoke to me three with three different people. You need to drill wells in Africa. And I'm like, what? <laughs> and I remember about two weeks later, uh, I went to my district superintendent. I'm on, on uh, district executive and I, I went to stay at his house. And I think I've shared this with you. I open the door, or he opens the door, and he doesn't say, hey, hi, Bill, how you doing? 
He doesn't say, you know, welcome, welcome to my house. He doesn't say any of that. You know what he says? He says, Bill, what do you know about drilling wells in Africa? What kind of greeting is that? <laughs> I'm just like, okay, I get it. I'm going to drill wells in Africa. Um, and so I experienced God speaking through these kinds of things. And you might say, well, this, this, is, this is a lot. Like, how, you, you hear God all the time? Yeah, actually, I hear God all the time when I prepare a message. When I am praying, just the other day in staff meeting, you know, I, I just preached two sermons on waiting upon the Lord. Two in one day, like at the Mandarin church and at the Spanish church. And, uh, and I went to, to the, uh, our staff meeting, and uh, I forget who was leading, one, one of the staff, and they read a psalm. Got to the end of the psalm, and there's a verse and it talked about waiting upon the Lord. And God said to me, you speak two sermons on it and you didn't do it this morning? I'm like, oh, sheesh. Really, Lord? And I repent. God speaks to us. So you might say, well, well how, how, can I ha- how can I have an encounter with God? How can I have an encounter with God? Well, I'd love to give you a formula. But there isn't one. I mean, you know, Kendall was worshiping God. Boom, the presence of God came upon him. Suddenly the faith, he was given a, a, a gift of faith just in that moment. And then he exercised that faith and, and it came true. Um, you know, you... You know, sometimes it's wrestling with God. You know, when P- Paul, uh, Saul, who turned, his name turned into Paul, when, when he gives testimony about how he encountered God, one of the things later in the, in the book of Acts, it says that the voice that spoke up to him from heaven says, it's hard for you to push against the pricks. Well, what does that mean? Basically, what mean, it means, it, it's really... A, the pricks is, is a word for a cattle prod. It's a poking stick to get the cattle to move where you want them to go. And cattle can sometimes resist it. And when they resist it, they get poked a lot. And it hurts the cows, right? And so this imagery is that Paul, he's on the way to Damascus, and he's going to go imprison those crazy pr- Christians. But there's something in his conscience that is pricking him. There's something that is poking him over and over and God must have wanted to speed up the process. <laughs> I don't know. It <laughs> just didn't wait. It just showed up one day. And so I think, you know, just like Jacob, wrestling with God can be part of that experience. One of the ways that we experience God. You know, when the place was shaken, remember that? What were they doing? They were praying. When they encountered Christ in a fresh new wave of the Holy Spirit... They were praying. Huh, funny about that. It's a good thing to do. When, when uh, the Ethiopian encountered Christ, what was he doing? Reading the Bible, right? It, we, we think, oh, these things are all boring. They're all like, yeah, of course. They're how you encounter God. I think I've encountered God more as I've read the scriptures than any other way in my life. Uh, and, and then, 
Do you remember, like, the last number of weeks we've been talking about all the various people who saw angels during, around the, the birth of Christ? And almost invariably they say, you know, Simeon was a devout guy, or, or, or Zechariah was very righteous and devout, or Mary was, uh, the Lord's favor was upon her. There, there's this thing about being righteous, about being holy, just, just sort of a natural thing. Uh, and for me, my encounter with God was repentance. And most people experience this. When they see their sin, they see the glory of God, uh, you know, John just falls down on his face. Uh, Isaiah falls down on his face when they experience God. And so repentance is part of this process of experiencing God. Or John, he's in the Spirit on the Lord's Day. I don't know what that means exactly, but I have a feeling he was worshiping God in spirit out of, out of his soul. And that's when God shows up. So there's no one way to encounter Jesus. Essentially, it's God just sees your heart. The Bible says, seek me, if you, you, and I, you will, I will be found of you if you seek me with all your heart. And so that's our walking papers. That's what we do. We seek God, and he shows up. All right. I said there would be time. I've used up all my time. Uh, so does anybody want to share about an encounter you had with Jesus Christ? I, you can just, just stand up wherever you are, and I'll give you a microphone. Don't stand up go to the bathroom. I'll be chasing you down. <laughs> Anybody? All right. I'll just keep this real short. <clears throat> My husband and Dave and I were on a sailboat in the Caribbean, and his dream was to sail around the world. Uh, but over, over a period of three months while we were preparing, uh, the Holy Spirit was speaking to me. Uh, I didn't want to leave North America <laughs> because I had two sons that I wanted to make sure I, I wanted to make sure that they were settled in marriage or settled somehow before I took off on a journey far away. And so, uh, Holy Spirit spoke to me, and and uh, Dave was very flexible. And uh, it took some, when you talk about wrestling with the Lord, I think during that time it was a big wrestle for Dave, more so than myself, because I believed that I would come back to support my family. And God has blessed us immeasurably because we uh, have lived with one of our sons and no words can express the blessings, the serendipitous things that happen day after day after day. Thank you. Amen. Anyone else? Yeah. <clears throat> I have two. One, when Mike and I were at school together, I was standing in the courtyard and there was nobody around. And... I heard a very quiet voice, but very authoritative voice, tell me, go and find Mike. I looked around to see who had said it, and I'm like, but there was an urgency to the voice. 
So I went and I found him. He was very upset with somebody. And it was the Lord telling me to go and get him out of the situation before he did something stupid. (laughs) For some reason, I was the only one at school that could calm him down quickly. I thank God for that. The second one was the Alpha Course. When we watched the third video, Who is Jesus? And I've already been saved for more than 30 years. Um, When we watched the video, Who is Jesus? Something clicked. And the Lord unlocked a lot of baggage that I had been carrying and set me free from a lot of things. And I know that was the Lord. Because it hasn't come back, and it's gone. God. Thank you. <clears throat> Anyone else? Oh. I'll throw you the mic. <laughs> Look at that. There's a wide row just for me. Good morning. Yes, um, Lord spoke to me about... I, I, uh, uh, ask God through the vision that I was seeing, uh, you know, God, what do you want me to do? Tell me. So I took um, three days uh, fasting and praying, prayer just by myself, locked my room, and I said, Lord, you have to speak to me right now. Like at this moment, I need to hear your voice. So God told me, go and preach the gospel. I will be with you. All, I, will bless, I will bless them all. So I heard this clearly voice from God. And then the second one, I I think I was not uh, believing. I don't know. Before, this is before. The first day that I heard his voice, I saw a family worshiping the Lord. And I was so jealous about them. I wasn't like fully Christian. So I said, Lord, oh my God, I'm so, like, I... I was just talking to myself. I'm so jealous. Like I, I wish I could be like them. And he said, believe in me. This was a strong message. And another day, like I was crying, crying. It was a, like, I said, Lord, what? He said, rest. Like it was a strong message also. So God, yes, there is so many things that even the angels that I saw was... Um, of one person that was uh, saved, the angel was taking a chair to the person that was saved. So he spoke to me, this is for Eve. So I saw the angel taking this, this beautiful chair to a person. Uh, I had a dream. I don't know, I was just distracted in my dream. And the angel was just stood right there and rebuked the the spirit that was around me. So God speaks in many ways. Yeah. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you. So I I happen to know that uh, she, uh, when God told her to go witness, she went, and that was two and a half years ago, and there's 500 people on her list that have asked Jesus into her heart, into their heart. Pretty incredible. Uh, yes, uh, in I believe it was in uh, 2005, and I uh, 
was going through a lot of baggage in that, and um, uh, I dropped my uh, my groceries in the um, the grocery store. Um, I I have PTSD, which is um, um, PTSD is post-traumatic stress disorder, and I didn't want to uh, I didn't want to bring up this memory. It was so bad, and I ran out. I dropped my groceries and I ran home, and uh, I was living in uh, a basement apartment uh, with a pastor and his wife. And uh, the Lord spoke to me. I was just sobbing and sobbing, and uh, I fell asleep. And he woke me up in a very powerful, authoritative uh, voice. And he said to me, stop suffering. (laughs) And I woke up, and I said, but Lord, I said, I'm going to be alone this Christmas. And he said, Go feed the poor. <laughs> Praise God. Thank you, Brandy. One more. Okay, make it short, Tavi. <laughs> Thank you. I was, um, the Holy Spirit told me to go and go to this car dealership that's near my place. My sister gave me $40 for her car filter to fill the, the oil that was uh, needs to be filled. And I had $5 with me. And I went there, and then um, I met the guy at the car dealership. His name is Kyle. He said um, the, the filter would cost, like, um, over $60. But I only had f- um, $40 and $5 on, on me, and I gave it to him. And then he said, that's okay. So, like, ho- um, thank you, Lord. Praise the Lord. So I blessed him. I said, um, may the Lord bless you and your family. Amen. So that was a miracle. All right. Awesome. I'm sorry we don't have time to hear everybody's testimony. I would love to hear them all. But uh, when I, what I think is that Christ makes himself available to every person. And we can latch on to that time and that place when he comes into our life and changes us. I'm going to ask the worship team to come now and lead us in a final hymn.